Oh, hi, Matt. Can you hear me? Ooh. Hang on just a second. My volume right, is up, but I'm not able to hear you. That's right. You might be on mute. How's it going? I, yeah, good, good, good. You should be able to hear me. I can see my sound barrier going on my end. Can you hear me? Not able to hear you. Uh, okay. I got my volume cranked all the way up. Let me just make sure that my setting is on. Okay, wait, hold on. Got it. Can you hear me now? There can we go. Now? There we okay, go. Okay. I thought my AirPods playing up. Uh, uh, how's everything going? All good? Yeah, very good. Good, 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 good. Um, really, really appreciate your time because I know you're an incredibly busy man. Um, how, how's everything going with you? All good? Oh, really good. Yeah, on my way to get to hang out with my daughter for a week and then get to go teach in Denver, Colorado and out to California, I think, for a week. Where, um, whereabouts are you based normally? Um, I'm based either in Hawaii and during COVID, my ex and I, we had to make a decision and move our daughter to go live with her. I was the primary caretaker and she lived in yeah. Hawaii. So primarily based out of Hawaii. Beautiful. And where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from Hawaii originally. Oh, okay. Originally from Hawaii. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I know Aiden arranged um, the sort of podcasting into a girl. So I've got sort of a few questions I wanted to run through in terms of NLP, getting started with NLP. And then also, some questions that I had we get from a lot of like entrepreneurs and things in terms of maybe using NLP on yourself in terms of like overcoming a negative mindset. So I think that's quite an interesting uh, tangent to go down, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and so the, what are your, what are your listeners primarily looking for? I mean, what are they, I, I always want to make sure that I add value. And so yeah. this is, this is your podcast, right? So yeah. I, you know, your, your audience way better than I do. Um, so the, the biggest issue people have is having limiting beliefs. So it's almost, I think, the ability to maybe use something like NLP almost on themselves or maybe people around them to help yeah. lift them up. So um, our demographic is mainly predominantly men, 30 to 45, who are um, hardworking, driven, um, but maybe struggling in certain areas of their life, such as the way they look or from an athletic point of view, getting in shape. So it's yeah. almost like how can they improve their mindset and maybe the people around them's mindset in terms of living a healthier life and maybe using some ways, some of the, the tips from NLP. And we also have a lot of people who listen to the podcasts from a business perspective, because we have a lot of um, we have business guests on sometimes and things like that. Well, very cool. Okay. Okay. Well, we're so just talking that... about mindset. Yeah. And you can ask me anything you want. I'll just, okay. I'll just go with the flow with it. Okay. Easy. All right. It's already on record. So I can just, we can just, I can just open up and go from there. That sounds good. Okay, and just calling you Charlie, that's okay? Yeah, yeah, it's okay to call you Matt. I call you Dr. Matt James, if you like. Uh, yeah, after the introduction, <laughs> call me whatever you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fine. Call me Dr. James, I'm going to be thinking my grandfather somewhere in the room. <laughs> okay, yeah. all, right, all, right, all right, when you're, when you're ready, I'll get going. Ready? Okay, yep. All right, all right, three, two, one. So welcome to another episode of The Shredder Show. Uh, super excited already after the pre-podcast uh, introduction with Dr. Matt James. So not call him Dr. James because he sounds like he's a an old man doctor, but um, Matt is based in Hawaii, is one of the uh, starters and leading practitioners in NLP, and today is going to take us to a masterclass in terms of maybe how we can upgrade our mindset and improve the way we think and the people around us, what we think. So um, firstly, really, really appreciate your time. And then firstly, to go into NLP, what is it and how did people, how, do you, how did you get started with it? Because many people probably never heard of this and think, what am I talking about? Well, first of all, Charlie, thank you so much for having me on. I, I really do appreciate that. And, uh, you know, NLP, the interesting way to explain NLP is it's a study of how successful people communicate. 
So it was invented in the 70s by two people, Richard Bandler and John Grinder. And what they found was that successful individuals, they communicate a certain way and unsuccessful individuals communicate differently. So unlike a lot of other techniques that are created by people, NLP is really looking at how does a successful person achieve their level of success? And let's emulate that down to, you know, what routines do they have? What uh, anchors do they establish? What, um, how, how do they talk to themselves and how do they communicate externally? Now, I got into it when I was 11. So that was like 40 years ago. Uh, my dad got into it because he was doing business consulting and did a Tony Robbins firewalk at 11. Back then he was teaching NLP and then actually did a practitioner training at 13. And I learned from Richard Bandler, did my master practitioner training when I was 15. And next year I will have been teaching for 25 years and just had the pleasure of working with, you know, people ranging from wanting to get from where they are to a level of success and people who are already hyper successful and want to kick it up a notch or maintain what they're doing. That's kind of how I got into NLP. And I love it. I mean, I still love it to this day because it's the art and science behind how successful people create their results. Fascinating. You said that firstly, law of attraction, as I wrote down Tony Robbins to bring that up, you showed about Tony Robbins, which is a funny thing. And then secondly, I'm a, I'm a big fan in like modeling, not like catwalk modeling, but like modeling other people who are successful. So I, I really liked the saying uh, success leads clues. So if you see someone who's done something you want to do, maybe you want to do what they've done previously. So like, how do they run the day? How do they organize themselves? How do they communicate and articulate with other people? Which I'm guessing is somewhat what NLP is then, I guess. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. So I have a master's in business and I have a doctorate in uh, psychology. And from my master's degree, one of the professors got up on stage and said, everyone has heard the saying 80% of businesses fail in the first year or two years, whatever it is. And he's like, does anyone in here know why? And my hand went up and I was going to say what another student said. And it was that they didn't have a plan. And he said, no, they, they failed to model a successful plan. And they thought that they could just figure it out on their own. So, I mean, that's literally NLP. I sat there and went, that's the whole idea of NLP. If you want to become healthier, if you want to become more successful, you got to find someone that did what you did, what that you want to do and emulate it. Exactly like what you said, Charlie. How does your psychological background interlink into NLP? That's an interesting conversation. Do you find there's a lot of like uh, crossover between that or some co conflict sometimes? Well, I started teaching NLP first and then I went back to school with an intention because I wanted to add more credibility to this field. I've been in this field since I was a kid. And so my, my psychology degree is in integrative psychology, which is literally a study of how the mind affects the body and therefore your behaviors. And yeah, if you look at behavioral psychology or you look at, you know, psychopharmacology, which is what drug do you take for the issue besides those, a lot of what I learned, it really links up where it, it talks about, you, know, you can't just talk through your things. You have to get into the deeper level programming, the program that happens in the unconscious. And so we run these patterns. And what I teach people to do is to discover their patterns, get ahead of their patterns and figure out which technique is going to stop them from running that pattern in the future. I mean, it's really simple. Okay, so case point, if we had someone who's running a negative pattern, so say for example, they wake up every morning and they're getting triggered by something very negatively, several work environment they're not happy with, what would, how would you work with that person from a psychological point of view or from an NLP point of view? 
So I, I go more at it from an NLP point of view. Okay. And you know, that, that's, you know, I don't do a lot of clinical work. I just go at it from yeah. an NLP point of view. And so NLP, uh, one of the ways to describe it is a pattern interrupt. So successful people, uh, one of the people that was modeled for the creation of NLP was a guy named Milton Erickson. And he was a medical doctor. He did hypnotherapy with people. Richard Bandler and John Grinder got to work with him. And what he was able to do through communication is discover the patterns that we run. So for example, let's say a person wakes up in the morning and they pick up their iPhone and they start scrolling through it. They read something, they get into a negative state. Okay. So first thing is how do we create a new pattern? Uh, one, one thing that is absolutely clear, there is a direct link to your routine and your results. People who are more regimented with their routine, especially in the morning, have a higher level of results. You look at athletes, you look at you know, people who are peak performers, and the more regimented they are, the better their results are. And so some things that are really simple to do is to help a person cut out a negative behavior is to begin to have them visualize in their mind, which is what a lot of successful individuals do. What do you want to be doing instead? So you visualize that, you run through it. And my recommendation is always a slow build. People try to do you know, eight, 10 different things. I want to reinvent my entire daily routine. With my clients, I'm just like, pick two or three things you want to add in. And until it becomes easy, which is otherwise known as unconscious, you got to just stick with those three things. I um, I really like what you said there was the uh, conscious unconsciousness or like, yeah, I can't remember the expression of this, but basically when you, you do things um, automatically without even thinking, and that's the end goal, right? Is so that when you, right. you pick up these habits, they become good habits and that you unconsciously do them rather than consciously forcing yourself to do them. Exactly. So I, my, my daughter's 16 this year. And when she was growing up, I, her name is Skylar. And I would say, Skylar, did you brush your teeth? No, daddy, I forgot. Okay, go back upstairs and brush your teeth. And then the day that she came downstairs and she was like, yeah, I've already brushed my teeth. Did you wash your face? No. Okay, go wash your face. As adults, we forget that we had to keep doing things over and over again until it became unconscious. And so our behaviors are unconscious. Our behaviors are, once they're installed, we just kind of are automatic. Think of driving a car. In the beginning, it took all of your focus. Now it's easy to do it. So a lot of adults forget that and they try to pile on too many things. So the successful individuals, let's say you wanted to add meditation, gratitude, and you wanted to add working out every morning. Cool. I would add meditation, gratitude, and once it becomes unconscious, then get into the whole idea of getting your workout routine in there or the other way around. doesn't matter, but this is, you know, small, small bits. Habit stacking. Yep. To go slightly off topic, is there any, it reminds me of the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Is, is there any books you recommend anyone? Um, I love Atomic Habits. Uh, Christina, who is my, my lady, we're in a relationship together. She loves Atomic Habits. Very similar book, The Slight Edge. Yeah, I love the slide edge and peak. What you know, a book that I absolutely love is a book called Peak by Erickson and Poole. And they debunk with science the idea that anyone is born, like you're just born with it. 
you know, people come up to me and they say, you know, you, you're such a good presenter. You, you just, you were born that way. I'm like, no, I wasn't. I was a horrible presenter, you know, when I was in my early twenties and I, I had to learn how to become a good presenter. And so in the book peak, when it, when a client says to me, oh, I'm too old, or maybe I'm just wired a certain way, peak totally debunks that. It's the idea that we can actually achieve things that are incredible. Um, in terms of getting started with NEP, was there anything, any struggles you faced with the beginning? Um, for me, in the beginning of NLP, um, you know, because I got it at such an early age, I, I would say that the things that I was dealing with is what teenagers are dealing with right now. You know, I was dealing with peer pressure and, you know, how do you as an individual figure out who you are? Uh, there's a formula that I've noticed with really successful individuals they, they know who they are. They focus in on this is me as opposed to what do I want to have? A lot of unsuccessful individuals, they're looking for their results first as opposed to figuring out who they are. And, you know, you look at Gary Keller, creator of Keller Williams. In his book, he writes about you got to figure out who you're meant to be before you figure out what you're meant to do. And then once you figure out what you're meant to do, then the things that you want to have will come to you easily. So I think a lot of what people struggle with right now is just figuring out who they're meant to be. If that makes sense. hundred percent. And do you think some of that is down to sometimes um, perhaps social media where there's a lot of comparison syndrome and even where maybe people progress in life, they're then they're always looking at people ahead of them, not necessarily on the same level or from where they've come. Yeah, it's it, that's a really good point, Charlie. It, it's instead of looking at yourself, you're looking outside and going, okay, I want to be where that person is. So for example, uh, a student in a recent training came up to me and said, what is your routine? Like, I want to know what your routine is. I want to do that. And I said, I I'm saying this very humbly. My routine is based on having done NLP for 40 years and having done a lot of work on myself. A better question should be, what was my routine when I was in the same space you're in right now? So you should emulate that. And I would love to share that with you because I started meditating, you know, over 40 years ago. And so you got 40 years of meditation. Your routine is going to be different than someone who just is beginning to meditate. And do you still meditate now daily? Yes, absolutely. And, how, and, and where do you slot that into your time so for example this is one of the things i've tried in the like i've tried i've done in the past and trying to care for the language i use and i find it like the most difficult thing in the world to sit there for five minutes and like try and have my head clear my head brain will shoot off onto like different things and just try and put it back in for me that's probably like the most challenging thing in the world um and i know a lot of the listeners are probably the same there's a lot of very driven guys listen to this what would your advice be to people like that? So one of the things that I have found is that when you first begin meditating, having either something that you say to yourself over and over again, you know, a mantra or something that you want to set for the intention for the day, that really helps to kind of what's called jam, that, that internal dialogue that a lot of people have. Um, playing music is really helpful with that. My recommendation, Charlie, is the morning. Most people do not have a morning routine. And what I've learned over the years with my own experience with working with successful individuals, most successful individuals are very 
they're very guarded of their morning because how you start off your morning kind of sets the energy for the entire day, right? So I prefer a meditation in the morning. So my, my routine is really simple. Wake up, do whatever hygiene things that I need to do, and then zero technology, connect with my partner. We sit out in nature as best we can. And if you have a coffee, have a tea, drink water, whatever it is, express gratitude from the previous day. And then that's where you would want to slot in your meditation, do a meditation. And then I go right into my workout routine, make sure that I get my workout in. And then I begin the day then, because at that point now you had an energetic, there, there's four aspects to who you are. There's the energetic aspect, mental, emotional, and physical. And most people think of health as just being the physical where you got to have energetic health. You want to have mental health. You want to have emotional health and you want to have physical health. So my thinking of a workout is what am I doing energetically to have my energy you know, harmonized? What am I doing mentally? Gratitude is very helpful with that. Emotionally, especially in the morning, do I keep my emotions calm, avoid you know, social media and whatnot, and then get your workout in? Because if you move your body, you're going to feel better. That sets up a great strategy for the day. And the clients that I work with one-on-one, -on -one, we build that routine in, make it more customized for them. But that's a, a common formula that people use to be successful. How would you, do you ever get um, entrepreneurs or business people you structure that with you, for example, want to get up and then work straight away and then maybe do it the other way around? Because like for, my, for me, for example, I know a few other people the same want to wake up and bang and go and then start to do the other stuff, if that makes sense. Uh, total transparency, I've had in the past decade where I've been doing a lot of coaching. Prior to that, it was more just one-on-one -on -one sessions, but not a lot of coaching. For the past decade, I've been doing coaching where I work with four clients maximum a year. And in the past 10 years, I've had two clients who are exactly what you're saying. Get their work in the morning, like they want to just jump right into it. And they prefer a meditation in the afternoon and a workout in the evening. And I just, I, I sit there and go, that's perfect. I, one of them is a top Keller Williams agent, runs one of the largest teams. And he's just like, he, he said to me, he goes, Dr. Matt, I just, I can't meditate in the morning. I got to jump right into my work. And I'm like, let's do it then. That's look, my, if you go bigger picture, the more important thing is, do you have a solid routine? So his evening routine of meditation, gratitude, and working out slowed him down and he sleeps better, wakes up ready to go. And so I sat there and went, perfect, well, let's do that. It's uh, what you can be consistent with in a tier two because consistency compounds over a period of time, I guess. Exactly. And, and that's the same thing with meditation. Meditation is not an instantaneous effect. It's a cumulative effect. Uh, working out is not an instantaneous effect. Everyone wishes it was, right? Do one sit up and your abs are like completely ripped. That would be a great, great approach. But you got to keep working out. Same thing with diet. It's not just a, everything is consistency. You look at it from an energetic, mental, emotional, and physical. Now, we talk about consistency. Is there anything from an NLP point of view you can do with helping yourself be more consistent, say sticking to a routine or sticking to a nutrition program, a diet, or even executing business tasks that people should be doing? Absolutely. There are specific techniques in NLP, which help people break old habits. Uh, Tony Robbins uses a lot of what's called anchoring, you know, Pavlov, you know, Pavlov's dogs, you know, they, 
Yeah, exactly. You ring the tuning fork and the dog salivates. Okay. So Tony, for example, worked with Serena Williams and Serena had gotten off of her game and he worked with her and just established a series of anchors, which allowed her to get back into the state. And then she won like three out of four majors right after that. I, I worked with an NFL player who won a Super Bowl with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I asked him, I said, you know, what did you do to get into that space? And he said, it was all anchoring. He learned NLP at an early age and anchoring is a very specific technique. And he said, I used music. I used physical things that would get me back into state. And he's like, and I shared it with a lot of the people that were on the team at that time. And they, they won a Super Bowl. He was a center for him and an amazing individual. I've worked with athletes and the ones that are consistent, they use anchoring. And so NLP anchoring, and, and you can Google that. It doesn't have to be from me. I mean, you can Google it. There's a lot of information about how do you set up your anchors to get you back into that state where you're able to perform at a high level. An example of anchoring, for example, someone who does a lot of very focused work first thing in the morning could be listening to the same music every morning, for example, and having the same setup. So your brain tr tricks into like knowing it's work time almost. Yep. In, in fact, the, the NFL player who, you know, like I was just mentioning that I worked with one-on-one, -on -one, he said that he had a, a series of music that he listened to that was timed perfectly for when he slides his helmet on and walks out. And he said, it's the same piece of music that he used from high school when he was a football player at Purdue all the way to when he was with the Steelers. He said it was the exact same set. If I don't feel like working out, all I have to do is turn on Motley Crue, kickstart my heart, and I'm ready to work out because it is such a strong anchor. That's my warm-up song. It has been since the 90s. I tried to change it one time, Charlie, and I didn't feel the same way. So music is a powerful way to get you into that space. Uh, ironically, I actually think this is why pre-workouts work because it's that drinking something people's brain associate with working out and then put some in a mental state to work. I, I'm a big believer in the placebo effect. Obviously there's caffeine emotion, but there's a big believer in that as well. So your body knows what's coming then. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, and people who don't like music and are more visual, you know, I've had clients who love vision boards where you have this thing that you visualize every morning when you wake up, where you look at the pictures of that. And so vision boards are an example of an anchor. Um, and athletes tend to use more kinesthetic and auditory. So feeling. So for example, I worked with a PGA golfer, the, how he put on his glove and strapped it up. That exact thing that you do put him right back into a state. So anchors are when easy. When you're talking about anchoring in states, um, a lot of the people struggle, obviously, to sometimes keep themselves in a positive mindset. Is there anything you teach people with NLP in terms of maybe like the language they use with themselves or with other people to try and keep them in that um, positive growth minded state? Absolutely. One of the things with NLP is beginning to listen to your language and the, 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 never mind the NLP terminology because there's weird labels that NLP uses. Let's just use the word labeling. How you label something alters how you perceive it. So this is basic. This comes from cognitive psychology, from NLP. So one of the things that I, I love to share in our intro events, uh, our NLP intros that we run, I think we run about 24 uh, around the U.S., is your brain, if you're excited 
or have anxiety, the same part of your brain lights up. It's how you label the experience that tells your brain then what to do. So if I was looking at you and like, let's say you and I were in an fMRI where we're looking at brain activity and you were getting excited about something that you were going to do and I was getting anxious, the same part of our brain would be lighting up and I would not be able to determine just looking at brain activity who's excited and who's anxious. What happens is the moment you label it, the moment you say, oh, this sucks or uh, I'm, I'm nervous about this, it actually alters your brain activity and then brain chemistry and your body reacts differently. There's a trickle down effect. Whereas a person who says, wow, that's exciting, it actually alters the brain activity, then the neurotransmitters that are released all the way down to a physical. So yeah, it is important with NLP to really look at how do you label things and, and what do you really believe the label? So for example, when COVID hit, I thought it was going to be a great opportunity. And I really believe that. And for us as a company, COVID was amazing. The students that we got during COVID were incredible. I had that mindset. And the thing I was going to ask is that the big challenge people have is choosing their perceptions of scenarios. Is that something that you can use NLP with or certain, I don't know, anchoring methods or techniques to stop your... Um, I don't know if you've read the, the book, The Chimp Paradox, but your, your chimp brain, like overriding your logical brain in terms of the way you think and your emotions overriding your logic. Well, the whole, the whole purpose of NLP is to get into the programming. So cognitive psychology has now come to a conclusion that we're pretty much programmed to who we're going to be by the time we're age five, about 95% of our programming gets in there. Now, I didn't have the programming that I was going to be a trainer of NLP. For example, my mom had amazing prosperity consciousness. She really did. We, we didn't grow up with a lot and she never made us feel like there was scarcity. And so I, I had that programming of an abundance mindset. Now, my mom also did, because we didn't have a lot of money, asked me to make sure that I ate everything that was on my plate. Well, that led to me becoming obese in my 20s. I actually hit obesity because the programming had gotten in there that if you have a, if you have food, you got to eat it all. And so the whole idea behind NLP is how do we get into that programming? Is it something very simple, like an anchor, or do you need to go even deeper than that and help someone release baggage, you know, negative emotions, limiting beliefs around that area of life? That makes a lot of sense. And in terms of for people, when they have that situation, when they have a lot of uh, limiting beliefs, what, what strategies do you utilize those people to try and remove those? Is a lot of it writing it down and maybe giving context to the limiting beliefs? Because I think a lot of the time people, when they put pen to paper or they visual, like I'm a very visual person. If I've, I've got like sticky notes in front of me with like goals and stuff on them, like I'm a very visual person for me to like write things down and then makes it easy for my brain to logically understand and deal with whatever it is I'm trying to deal with. That's a, that's a great approach. And one of my clients, because he wasn't really in connection with his emotions, uh, yeah, writing it down, putting it out on paper, a spreadsheet, whatever it is of, of what's in the mind. First of all, getting it out. That, that's a really important thing. The first thing you want to do is you want to be able to get in touch with it. Now, sometimes you actually need a technique, though. And so there's a technique that comes from our school that my father created. Uh, it's called Mental and Emotional Release. I wrote a book on it. You know, there's the recordings out there of it. 
And it really, it's a technique that allows you to actually let go of limiting beliefs, negative emotions, where it actually releases it from the unconscious. You still have to go through a process. Uh, there are four things that you need to do to create change in your life. If you want to create true change, and this comes from modeling successful people. Number one, you have to find some way to release the limitation, the negative emotion, the limiting belief. Number two, you got to have a clear goal. You have to have a clear goal of what it is that you want to achieve. Number three, you got to take action. You're not going to get any results unless you take action. And then number four, you have to focus on the positive while you're taking action. Successful individuals do it in that order. Unsuccessful people try to maintain their focus without dealing with the deeper baggage, without dealing with the deeper issues that they have. Excellent, thanks. Um, you referred to, I don't, you referred to COVID earlier on, I can't say that word, um, because we get banned on YouTube, but uh, you referred to that earlier on. Uh, how do you think that's affected maybe the way people communicate and maybe uh, people's relationships with themselves and other people? Because I think that's a very strange scenario where people were like locked inside their houses for periods of time and forced into isolation and given a lot of reflection on a lot of different things. Yeah, I, I've seen a wide range, Charlie. I've seen a wide range of reactions. Um, you know, I have two kids, 20, one's 23 and the other one's turning 16 in a month and a half. And, you know, just watching the programming that got into the kids at that age, like how they interact with individuals, you know, proximity, do they shake hands? Do they hug? You, you see that even with adults, uh, I had a mix of responses from adults of, you know, some of them got to reflect and realize that they want to do something more important with their life, that they, they got out of their routine. And I, I've also had some people that for them, there's baggage around it, negative emotions, limiting beliefs around what happened, even anger, anger towards the government or anger towards other people in their environment. So it's been an interesting ride the past two years for a lot of people. Do you think that's maybe going to change the way people interact with each other going forwards? And like, and because I think it's given people a lot of awareness in terms of maybe appreciating actually being in person pe with people more because I think oh, we're speaking on zoom right now I think a lot of people end up getting to the point where they loathe zoom where people have been on like business meetings on zooms all day where they used to work with people in offices for example yeah I mean we we want to be around people you know I've, I've heard some other experts say we're like herd animals we want to be around people and so uh, my mindset is we're, we're going back to being around people again and I, I've had people say, you know, it's never going to go back to how it was. My daughter got really freaked out and her friends were just, you know, feeding into and buying into all the things that were occurring. This is early on in COVID. And so we did research on the Spanish flu. Happened in 1918 and same thing happened. Shutdowns, people wearing masks and you know, the whole world freaked out. And I said, you know, Skylar, now we've gone accustomed to it. We have the flu. We have a flu season every year. And I studied immunology. You know, COVID's going to be around because COVID has been around already for 200 years. And I said, Skylar, what happened in the 20s? Right after, you know, the Spanish flu, what happened in the 20s? She's like, oh, my God, it was the roaring 20s. People were dancing. Everything was good. I'm like, exactly. Let's just maintain that mindset. There may be some people who continue to wear masks and continue to isolate Let's you and I maintain the mindset of everything's going to be awesome. You know, it's going to be the roaring 30s or whatever it is that you want to call it. 
roaring, to... roaring 2020s. There you go. Roaring 2020s. There you go. Um, on, on a slightly different subject, I recently read a book, The Five Love Languages, that completely changed my okay. perception of human interactions emotionally in relationships and just dealing with other people. Um, I don't know if there's a way you teach people in terms of using NLP in terms of managing relationships or improving communication within relationships or that side of things? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, that NLP actually gets more specific on, uh, like, for example, love languages, but even just, you know, love languages between people who are at work together. So if you look at the love languages, right, visual, now I'm... I haven't read the book, The Five Love Languages, because I know that a lot of it was based on the same things that we teach in NLP. And so I've had students that have read it and said, NLP actually gets more specific than that. You're right. The, there are different love languages. One of them is visual. What can visual be? Seeing, you know, acts of kindness, you know, random acts of love, um, even being uh, taken out to dinner, like showing it. There's auditory which is communication. And then you want to get really specific. Like what specifically do you say? How do you say it? And we actually teach people how do you elicit someone else's love language so that you're able to fulfill on it. Uh, third one is kinesthetic. That's touch. That's physical contact. For example, my daughter is much more kinesthetic. Her love language is very physical. It's a hug. Whereas my son's is more auditory. He wants to hear certain things and I know what he likes to hear. And I, I do it with sincerity from my heart. I find the right times to do it. And it fulfills on that for him. Uh, for some people, there's a more inner knowing, an audit, what's called auditory digital, more inner knowing or a sense of it. And so, yeah, we definitely look at that. And I, I think even deeper than that, Charlie, we look at values. In NLP and any research and any like things that you want to look at, what are the deeper things that drive us? Values are huge. Values are our deepest level programming. And so, for example, one of my teachers, her number one value is purpose. Her number two is learning new things. So I have four trainers that work for my company and her number two value in career is learning new things. So if I don't fulfill on that, at some point, she's going to want to go somewhere else. So I will make sure that I take the time every once in a while when we're co-teaching together and go, let me teach you something new about being a presenter, about being a teacher. And it fulfills on that value for her. So I, we actually in NLP get into what's going to fulfill you at a deep level. What values do you have? And I've done webinars on that. I haven't written a book on that one yet, but I've done webinars on it where it's really easy to find out what someone's values are. It's interesting you brought that up because that's actually the next thing I was going to bring up with you is uh, the use of NLP in terms of managing teams because I think that's one of the things I've found through my entrepreneurial journey is that not everyone is purely incentivized by money. Like some people want status, time, as you said, learning. Um, is there any other like wisdom you can share to anyone out there in terms of managing and motivating people from that side of things using NLP? Yeah, if you're doing with groups, you got to use what are like... The easiest way to explain it is percentages, right? The, the bulk of individuals think from big picture to detail. And the bulk of individuals want motivation. Like, why are you doing something before you jump into the content? So those are two simple formulas for, you know, the your listeners of your podcast to, to utilize. And the, so the first one is the majority of people out there 
they think big picture. So they need a frame around what's about to be explained. And then they go into the details from that. So one of the things that leaders, good leaders do is they put a frame around it. So here's what we're about to talk about. Let's say you're doing a team meeting and, and team meeting can be with your family, sitting down with your partner to discuss your next vacation. It can be with working within a company. And so putting a frame around it, here's what this whole discussion is going to be about. Here's what this talk is going to be about. And then I teach people to start off with motivation. Studies show that motivation gets people to buy in and that that needs to be brought in up front before you get into the actual content of it. So for example, if I was talking to you, Charlie, one-on-one -on -one about NLP, after I explained to you what NLP is, I would say, here's why NLP is so important. It gets into your deeper level programming and helps you to recognize your patterns, stop your patterns, and then I would possibly give you an example, like the athlete that I worked with. We figured out what pattern was derailing him and got rid of that pattern, installed a new pattern, and helped him to get back on the PGA Tour. Now, he never went out and won any majors, but he made a great living on the tour before he retired. Then I would get into the content. So here's what NLP is. So it's a simple formula. Put motivation up front and you get more buy-in with it. So those are two really simple formulas uh, for leaders. That's very smart. And then um, let's come to one final topic in terms of utilizing NLP for people from a weight loss perspective. Almost the way you frame that then in terms of talking about like a big picture, would you suggest that people almost frame it big pictures themselves in terms of like, this is why I need to get in shape because in 20 years time, I still want to be alive to go to my daughter's wedding, for example, and then try to almost like train their brain that way that when they don't want to get up in the morning that, oh, I want to go to my daughter's wedding or I still want to be alive in 30 years time. Is that how you would try and teach someone with NLP to like get themselves in shape when they don't want to do it? Because for me, the most powerful thing is when people learn the ability to do something they don't want to do, but they still do it anyway, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love I love what you just said. And in fact, I have a really specific example. Uh, one of my clients, he he was beginning to get out of shape. And so he came to work with me one on one, specifically in physical health. And after doing a breakthrough session and letting go of the baggage, I said, what's your motivation? And he said, both of my parents uh, passed away in the worst health you can think of. They went down the allopathic route you know, take a medication for this, the medication causes a complication, take another medication. He goes, I have one daughter and I will not do that to her. I want to live a healthy life so that we can be together and she doesn't have to care for me, you know, sitting by my bedside like I did for my parents. I said, that has to be like, how do you visualize that? Do you need a picture of your daughter? Do you need to hear something? He's like, no, I just need to say to myself, I'm going to work out today for my daughter. I want to be in shape. And that got him motivated. It got him going and motivated again. So yes, Charlie, I totally agree with you. Motivational hot buttons. Like what is it that gets you going? Um, I, I want to, like what you said, I, you know, I'm in my fifties and I, I went through a period where I was not in good shape. I, I was a size 44 pants. I'm a size 30 now. And no, I can't do the things that I did in my thirties as crazy in my workouts and big motivation hot button for me is I love to teach. I love being around my kids and I want to live a healthy life with them and be an example. And so when I wake up and I'm a little bit lazy, I got to think of that it gets me right into state.
100%. It's very powerful. Now, I, I'm going to be honest. The question I asked you at the beginning in terms of people getting triggered by things negative at the beginning, I'm actually a person who has that issue in terms of like, I wake up, I go to the toilet, I look at my phone and what's going on with work, and I get put in a negative mindset. People, and I know this is something that a lot of people have said to me they have the same issue with. Practically, what would you do in terms of managing that situation? Would you, like, I probably shouldn't use the language situation, so the scenario. That's would you look to try and minimize your access to those platforms or digital devices for an hour or two? So then we can maybe focus on work first and then deal with whatever fires you need to put out, if that makes sense. What I would do is, like, I would ask you, do you have a strategy? So th this, is, this is easy to understand. And once you get your mind around it, it's so amazing, right? Do you have a strategy in another area of your life where you're able to manage your focus? And uh, a lot of times what I'm doing with my coaching is I'm borrowing a strategy. So for example, um, yeah, I'll, I'll use a personal example on this one. I, I can, I'm in my training, students can come up to me and share things that are just, you know, hey, Dr. Matt, here's what I went through as a kid. And I can get into a mindset where I have empathy for them. And yet I hold a space for them and give them an answer. Here's what you can do to overcome this. And I think you're going to be amazing. Once I became a father, my son would come home from school and, you know, he's in elementary school and he would share with me something negative that happened in school. And I could feel the, you know, the, the color shift and I could feel my fist clenching up. And I'm like, I want to go to school and strangle these other kids. And I stopped and I went, okay, hold on. I can listen to negativity from another person when I'm in teacher mode. Why can't I do that when my son's talking about a kid on the playground who just, you know, threw a rock at him? It's not a level of abuse that some of my students have gone through. And the strategy that I used was really simple, taking a deep breath, grounding and going, okay, I want to be here for this person and figure out how do we solve it without believing that they're a victim, that they, they're an empowered being and they can overcome it. I started practicing that with my son and I got into a better space. So the first thing I would do is with you, Charlie, I would explore, are there any other areas where you encounter negativity where you're just like, whatever. And if you do, let's use that. Um, maybe from the social media side of things, I get trolled and get a bit of flack and that's just like water the ducks back to me. Like, I don't care about anything like negative comments or anything like that. Yeah, and then with NLP, I would, I would want to know, is there something you say to yourself where you're like, it's just water off of a duck's back? Is that what you say to yourself? Um, not so much that, but I think it's probably repetitions of that being tuned into my brain and just getting used to it and I think probably my perception of understanding that people only lash out due to their own insecurities which is something I'm aware of which again I think is my own the things that I see that frustrate me for example in the morning for my for example for my phone or from work or whatever would be due to my own uh, very high standards that maybe other people sometimes don't live up to or very big goals that I set for myself if that makes sense it's more like frustration if that makes sense Mm -hmm. that I need to learn to conceptualize. Well, if you, if you have that ability in another area, the first thing I would look at is let's borrow that strategy. Whatever strategy you use in another area, let's borrow that one. Now, if you don't have a strategy, then yes, what a great technique is visualization. You know, this is talked about a lot, closing your eyes, visualizing 
going to like you use the example going to the toilet with your technology visualize doing that with no technology bring a magazine with you or something go old school and you know bring in a newspaper, a, a newspaper. there we go i couldn't even if anyone buys those <laughs> they don't exist anymore uh, no I, I know they do but you, you bring something in with you instead that you could read you know uh, play a puzzle game or something you know do something different and visualize doing it then actually go do it visualize yeah. doing it, then go do it. And it, you, you know, it doesn't take 21 days to install a habit that, um, that theory. And in the book peak, they debunk that it takes 21 days. That was for a specific physical behavior. So for example, you know, driving a car, playing a piano, it, it takes a certain amount of time to install that behavior, but mental habits can go in so much faster. Mental habits, you can get in there in a couple of days easily. But uh, first thing is not not admitting you have a problem, but admitting you've got a scenario you need to optimize and then take an action with it, which I will do from tomorrow. Yeah, so I've, I've now globally made myself accountable for this. So yeah, if anyone wants to message me and ask how it's going, more than welcome. Um, but on that same note, Matt, is there anything else you'd recommend to people before you finish things up in an NLP that people should be aware of or that could help them or add any value? I mean, the, fir the first thing is to really take a look at where you are, you know, where are you on the path and looking to see where can, who can I emulate that is just a few steps ahead of me. From an NLP perspective, you want to emulate someone that is a few steps ahead of you on the path and do what they do. So if it's physical health, you know, and if you hit rock bottom, like I did and have obesity, I didn't look at what is you know, Tony Horton, who created P90X, I don't look at what is he doing? I look at, okay, where do I need to begin? What, what's the first thing? And the first thing I saw was diet. What are you eating? You got to get what's you, your fuel in your body before you begin working out. So rather than doing workouts, I got my health taken care of. Uh, in business, I looked at, you know, what have other people done when they've gone through weird things like COVID or uh, stock market crash of 2008. So as a business owner, I can emulate what someone else did to navigate those times with relationships. I mean, same thing. How, how do you navigate that? What did someone else go through that's similar to what you went through and how did they get through it to keep their relationship strong? NLP 101, find someone else that's done what you want to do and emulate that and figure out where you are on the path to take that next step. That's some very wise words to finish on pretty much the way I model a lot of things in my life which is why i've always worked for various coaches for different things so uh really really appreciate your time matt for anyone else to reach out and find out more information about you where's the best place to get into touch or maybe buy your programs books yep can just go to nlp.com we're we're nlp.com so it's super simple you can go there and you can see all of our programs a link to our learning platform and i think even a link to our youtube channel where there's a ton of free information out there uh for for all of you awesome Thanks, thanks so much, Matt. And then uh, for everyone who's listening to this, make sure you leave us a five-star review, share this with a friend in your stories, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you next episode very soon.